All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. So do us a favor and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications. Comment down below and, of course, upvote the video. I'm here with Pratt Rogers for his weekly segment on Ole Miss football. I would say Ole Miss sports, but we do Ole Miss football pretty consistently on this show. How you doing, Pratt? I'm doing great, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, football is king. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, it, it's amazing the view count differences. Um, so it's pretty cool. Anyway, what what city are you in? I'm in Memphis. Live in Memphis. I'm originally from Jackson, Mississippi, but um, graduated Ole Miss in '16. Mm-hmm. Been up here in Memphis ever since. Okay. Where are you recording? I don't even know if I've ever asked, to be honest. Oh, I, I, I am a Central Florida resident. I'm down in between um, Orlando and Tampa. Okay, cool. Right near Lakeland. Probably better weather than what we're accustomed to, I'd guess. Yeah, it got, a, it got up to about 82 today, I think. Oh, gosh, brutal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, let's go ahead and get started. Um the running back room at Ole Miss, you, you have the Zach Evans situation and all of this going on. Uh, what are your opinions on the running back room with Quinshawn, the loss of Zach Evans and all that? Well, Stephen, pretty loaded question, but kind of what um, I thought really would be advantageous for today's discussion is what are keys for this 23 upcoming season that almost fan, the typical Ole Miss fan should – either look forward to or keep an eye out on. Um, And going back to your original question on Zach Evans and Quinshawn, I'm not necessarily worried about replacing the productivity of Evans. I think we all know Evans was a little banged up for the majority of the season this year. I think um, somebody like Riscano uh, could step up and absorb some of those carries. I would be interested to see if Ole Miss – pulls the trigger on a uh, fourth running back in the portal um, with uh, Ulysses Bentley, Kendrick Riscano, Quinshawn Judkins, and looking for that number four guy um, just to kind of bear some of that load that Lane Kiffin has uh, been utilizing over the 2022 season. Uh, so anyway, I, I, I think that running back is a position of comfort, but it will be interesting to just see kind of – how they utilize Judkins in the way of um, spreading out carries, I think would be really important for the 23 season. You think Quinshawn has the ability to replicate what he did last year? I mean, that is asking a lot, Stephen. <laughs> um, I hope so, but I think we having such an all-star like Zach Evans, you've just got to account for him, especially out of the, uh, the back the passing game out of the backfield. Um, what Evans brought was such a uh, uh, East-West mentality uh, to running the football in comparison to Judkins was just such a North-South guy, hit the A-gap, hit it hard, truck over somebody. I mean, that's just him to a T. I would be interested to see if Riscano or uh, Bentley – are, are able to utilize a uh, some more, I guess, lateral motion uh, to complement Judkins' workload in uh, in in the North South arena. Yeah, it, and it's also a part where the offense could be not so much run pass in twenty twenty three. 
So Judkins could be just effective and only end up rushing for 1,100 yards or 1,200 yards. I mean, just that's just the way that goes. Uh, but, you know, when you look at – you mentioned the portal earlier. What is the portal looking like with the addition of, you know, Chris Marshall, Trey Harris, those guys? Do you think our portal hall, our portal depth is where it needs to be? Well, you mentioned two guys that I'm probably not super concerned about and Chris Marshall and Trey Harris. It's kind of everybody else, Stephen. I feel like those the wide receiver room, I think we're taken care of. I feel confident in those guys. I feel confident in the steps that Dart made last year. What I'm not necessarily confident about is some of the um, – lower level talent that we picked up uh, who may have been an all-star at a a lower tier program and we're utilizing them in the SEC. Can those guys step up and be as good as they were in these lesser conferences um, and compete every Saturday with an SEC West schedule? I think that's really the question for us, Stephen, and I would be very interested to see kind of what the transition is for that. I think we've mentioned in the past, you know, previously, JUCO was such a a vogue way to go about getting talent quickly. Um, and there's usually a transition process for a player to um, uh, utilize a, a previous JUCO route to uh, moving towards a, an SEC program. I, I believe that this transfer portal mentality for some of these lesser tier programs are going to replicate the same, the same results of, I think it'll take um, a little bit longer to get their feet wet in the sec. And I kind of wish we had that cupcake schedule to begin the season like we did last year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one more offensive question before we switch sides of the ball, you know, mm-hmm. Jackson Dart consistently got better as the season went on. Like, it was just a slow, steady growth towards the end of the year. And by the time the Mississippi State game happened, he played pretty well. He does still have issues. He still has plenty of development to do. But what is your opinion on Jackson Dart and his rise over last season? Well, that's a great question, Stephen. I think that as as the team was – struggling dart was doing better i think that's just kind of a factual statement over the over the duration of the program last year i think that dart sets up sets himself up in a pretty good position right now with sanders having a banged up shoulder uh, my understanding is he's uh, not really throwing the ball he's lifting weights a little bit but not necessarily practicing uh, on the long ball stuff like that so kind of that QB battle we've mentioned a few times. I think that uh, Dart really has a leg up right now. I think his performance towards the end of the season um, was strong enough and uh, should really give him a fighting chance to keep his job this year. Um, I'm, I'm excited for what Dart can do. I think he's the guy. I, I know that there's a lot of scrutiny right now, but I, I think that every day that goes by and Sanders isn't necessarily – practicing at full health i think that just gives dart an extra day of advantage uh, is my opinion yeah a that report whenever it got put out i mean spencer sanders has been rehabilitating the shoulder ever since um the football season he's going to be fine by spring but Mm -hmm. until until spring starts i don't know if anything can be made about his shoulder as far as the competition goes 
We need to see if he's actually practicing and doing what he needs to do in spring. It's an open practice that first Saturday, the third one, third practice. You can go there. You can see for yourself, um, whoever wants to, how effective Spencer Sanders is, how he's throwing the football. Um, but until that moment, I don't know. I think it's kind of like borrowing trouble. You know what I mean? Understood. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I, I get that mentality. Um, maybe just – Playbook was, I guess, probably the only other caveat. I, I I agree with what you're saying, though, Stephen. I think that live reps from a playbook are helpful, but I agree that this isn't something that he's so banged up that should be an issue for the foreseeable future or anything like that. At least we hope not. Yeah. All right. Let's change sides of the ball. Pete Golding. Um, we went from the three-two-six with Creech Partridge struggled against the run at the end of the season. They, were, I mean, they were pretty bad towards the end of the year. Um, Pete Golding. What? What do you know, and what is his strategy? What's your opinion on the Pete Golding defense? Steven, easy question. Anything is better than what we had last year, I feel like. Um, I'd love to see a 3-4, and I think there's going to be some sort of base uh, base package encompassing that. Um, I think the fan base would love to see it. Um, you know, it, I think he's going to recruit – the individuals that he needs for whatever defense they decide on and whether that's bigger bodies um, for, for maybe a a two linebacker set or um, you know, maybe a variety of of weight classifications for a four linebacker set. I think that'll tell us probably a little bit more um, on what kind of package uh, Golding is expected to run um that that's my take on it I, i'd be interested to kind of hear what you believe on that steven but like i said quite frankly i think anything's going to be better than what we were running last year yeah i think we're going to have a defense again with two hybrid positions okay but the first hybrid position will be with the jack linebacker is what they call it and that would be the one they recruited dj holmes for i think his name mm-hmm. was um chamberlain campbell Mm-hmm. Um, Jameer Lewis got recruited for that singular position. And they said all the time, you know, DJ Holmes, if he was two inches taller, he'd be recruited by much higher level schools than he was. The problem is he's about six foot tall. So we'll see exactly what DJ can do. I'm, I'm really looking forward to him because he reminds me a lot. This is before your time and probably before you were born. And, and that, that makes me sad. Um, but there was a um, defensive end named Corey Moore. This was back in the 4-3 era of football, and he was about six foot tall, 220 pounds, played defensive end, and was a holy terror. Um, you don't hear about him very much because obviously that size, he's not getting anywhere near the NFL. But at Virginia Tech, he was a weapon, like ACC defensive player, what wasn't ACC, Big East defensive player of the year type player. So I think DJ Holmes, we're hoping for that. I know when people get signed late, people automatically go to Sean Curtis or something like that. You know, somebody that just like, hey, we need to just fill in the roster and do what we can do. But I don't think DJ Holmes is that guy. I think he bet himself on himself because after the early signing day, he didn't have the offers he was want. He waited patiently, got it at Ole Miss. The other hybrid position will be the old Husky type position that Ole Miss played. The old Tony Connor type stuff and Suntarian Perkins is perfect for that Ladarius Tennyson there's so many players on this roster that can do that but those two hybrid places you have them you have two linebackers 
and you still have three defensive backs, but it's just, it's maybe the same setup, but it's going to look really different with a different level of talent um, on the field. I'm impressed and ready to see what Pete Golding's defense, because you look at him on camera, you look at him on film, and all of a sudden they, they just play behind the line. They're so aggressive. And if he can instill that to Ole Miss, they're going to force turnovers. They're going to force lost yards plays and win a possession or two for Lane Kiffin's offense, which I think is the whole point all along. Agreed, Stephen. And a good segue to that, you mentioned uh, Holmes not just being a body, but somebody that Golding and Co. are actively excited about. Um, do you, How do you feel about the depth this year? I mean, that was kind of a, a notation we discussed offline, I guess, of how do you feel about 2023 depth? I know that Kiffin doesn't run a whole lot of players in the games. Um, just is that a concerning facet for an average fan in 23, you think? I, th- I think um, depth on the offensive side of the ball is not a problem at all. There's always going to be people that whenever you ask them, how are we doing on the offensive line? And well, we need more five stars. Well, duh, everybody needs more five stars. <laughs> yeah. But Except Georgia. But, yeah. yeah, yeah. But we're at the point where we have the players there that I think can get the job done. On the defensive side of the ball, it's going to be a little bit clunky. Like DJ, Chamberlain, Campbell, those guys, they're new players. We don't know what they're going to do, but they are also the only players that Ole Miss has on their roster that is a jack. One of those players is going to be a starter, and they've never played an SEC snap. So that that's goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So – We'll see what they do, but it's going to be a little bit clunky. The other three positions on the defensive line, I think we're fine, exactly where we need to be. Linebacker, we'll see what happens. I'm not overly happy about that, but we'll see. And we'll also be able to, I don't know, just look on the – I think on the defensive back area, we're fine. We have players at all at, um, all three positions on the back end, and they have chances to be pretty good. But linebacker, I'm a little bit worried about. Jack, I'm scared to death about because they're all new players. But defensive line and defensive back, you have a chance to be all right. I assume you don't see any any way to add somebody late session portal that would be advantageous to either linebacker or Jack, correct? I, I don't, but you may yeah, be yeah. more optimistic and know something more than I do. I think that the um, transfer portal in the late period, your roster is about 98% settled at that point. So you might add one or two players. I don't know if you'll find the right players, but if the right one pops, Ole Miss obviously is going to get in the game. And there's players right now that went into the transfer portal that just went back to school. So mm-hmm. they're, in the portal, they're in the portal, and at any point in time, they can commit. As soon as the school's over, they can commit. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, I, th- I think the roster is about 98% of what it's going to be. Sure. So, anyway, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure and check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball. It has everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Prep, thank you very much for stopping by today. Talking a little ball. That's always fun. I hope you have a good one up in Memphis, man. Thanks, buddy. Uh, right. And Lane, we trust. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy. Later.